Hey friends, it's Coley. Happy second week of May and the start to an incredible summer. Whether you are packing for vacation, filling up your backyard pool, or like me, in the middle of transition after moving to a new state, I am so happy you are here. Today on the show, we are hanging out with a friend whose story actually was kickstarted by a cross-country move. When Emmy Award-winning journalist KOAA News 5 co-anchor Diane Derby arrived as a news anchor in Colorado Springs, she was hungry for approval, affirmation, and connections. She raced from one event to the next, capturing stories, sound bites, but behind the microphone, she deeply struggled in feeling fulfilled. Yet everything changed when she met centenarian Jim Downing at a luncheon for World War II veterans. At the time, Lieutenant Jim Downing was the second oldest living survivor of Pearl Harbor. After being introduced at the luncheon, Jim asked Diane an important question that would set the tone for the start of their friendship. Jim shared, Would you like to meet the most fulfilled person you'll ever know? You're looking at him. For the next five years, Jim and Diane began meeting every Tuesday, where eventually she invited her followers into their dialogues with dozens of videos on Facebook Live, where viewers could learn from Jim just as she had. With thousands of views, the chat struck a chord with people who were hungry for a meaningful life. And over the course of five years, Jim taught Diane to slow down, to embrace only what is true, real and good and to live a life of significance. Diane was asked to deliver the eulogy at Jim's funeral when he passed away in 2018 at age 104. The memorial service was broadcasted across the world. Jim's lessons of life and faith live on in Diane's stories, friendship, her work as a journalist, as a mother, wife, and as a follower of Christ. Her first book, 200 Tuesdays, What a Pearl Harbor Survivor Taught Me About Life, Love, and Faith, is a story of how Tuesday meetings about friendship, leadership, mentoring, parenting, and marriage, and the sacred thread through it all led to an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. 200 Tuesdays releases next week, May 17th, but you can pre-order your copy today. Being a military spouse myself, y'all know how much service members and their stories matter to me. I am so thankful to have Diane. Anne as a strong support in our corner, and I cannot wait for you to hear her talk about her new book, 200 Tuesdays. This conversation is fun, but a tearful blessing, so you might want to grab a tissue or two. It is my honor to welcome to Still With You, Emmy award-winning journalist and outstanding author, Diane Derby. Well, number one, thank you so much, Diane, for making time for this. Were you on air this morning? I worked last night until 11 o'clock and my five-year-old, who is very eager to be awake at six, basically, I gave her the iPad for an hour and a half. I said, I have to do this to survive Mm -hmm. because I left work at 11 p.m. (laughs) I can't even imagine. And this is Claire Joy. I love her name. It's so very sweet. Thank you. Jim had a lot to do with that. When I first cracked open the book, I knew that I was going to love it and that I immediately connected with you is because you mentioned Flyover States by Jason Aldean within like the first few lines. I listen to that song pretty much every time I fly, if not travel. So I knew we were going to be instant friends. (laughs) 
<laughs> Coley, I think anyone who meets you wants to be your instant friend just because of your voice and your kindness and your compassion and your amazing podcast. So yes, can we please be friends forever? Oh, that is so sweet of you. Thank you for saying that. That's so kind. I know that you're originally from Florida, but like, do you listen to country music or like, what's the connection? Yes. Country music is my favorite music. And then I listen to the spa channel. So I've got quite a range. Okay. I need spa and calm or I'll listen to podcasts or my favorite pastor or whatever it is. But yes, country is my favorite. And it just seems so appropriate as we were driving across the country. I snapped this picture of this just wide open space. And I talked about the song. And my goodness, wouldn't it be awesome if Jason Aldean actually knew I wrote about him in the book? Like he'd even care. But that would be the coolest thing. You should send him a copy with it highlighted. I bet he would be moved by the story. I'll help you do it if you need help. We'll send him your podcast. (laughs) I know that you're in Colorado, but now I live in Florida, so I'm getting to experience your home state. I love it here. Isn't it awesome? The only thing I don't love is the extreme humidity. I'm going to Florida this weekend, and I know that I'm leaving minus nine today. And on Friday, I'm going to Florida to experience the heat and humidity to see my family. It's quite a change, but I do love Florida. I love our military. I'm so excited to talk about it and have always had just such an extreme reverence to anyone in the military. And when they told me about Jim, they said the oldest survivor of Pearl Harbor is going to be at this diner. Would you like to meet him? And there were a bunch of World War II veterans there. And I said, "Um, yes, of course, I'd love to meet him. That's so cool. So I met him and talked to him quickly, but just have an extreme respect for them and their families, especially who go through so much. It's amazing how you said, like, I hold such a respect for um, the military because I grew up the same way. And I, being a Fausto service member, and my brother also served, and both my grandparents served, that reverence is so thick in my blood. But then you also have moments like that where you get to speak with someone or you hear about someone who was a part of such a pivotal role in history, such as with the Pearl Harbor attack, Jim being a survivor. When you first met him, not that it's extra reverence, but you're just like, oh my goodness, like I cannot believe that I have this opportunity to be speaking with someone who physically played a part in like changing our world forever. Like what was that like when you kind of your first conversation with him? What it was, was we actually ended up just meeting in the foyer. My chief photographer and I were just standing in the foyer, kind of waiting for Jim to come in of this restaurant. And I thought, oh my goodness, he drove here. He's 99. He gets out with his walker and he walks in and he's got this like dapper suit on. You know, he's usually in multiple layers, (laughs) no matter what time of year it is in Colorado. He just was so engaging right away. The interesting part about Jim is he doesn't like to actually talk about the past, but he also knows how valuable that is for people to learn from. So he's willing to share his story and his story is so heroic. It's so amazing. And I detail a lot of it in the book. Jim has written a book about it as well. He's the oldest author in the Guinness Book of World Records. He has his own book that explains it. Wait, really? Yes. Isn't that cool? I did not know that fact. That's incredible. He thought it was so cool, but I mean, he has so many accolades and so many fascinating things about him. That was just one to add to the list. It was just so special. I I knew I needed just this one soundbite for the newscast. And I was going to say something, you know, I spent time with World War II veterans today, got the chance to meet the oldest survivor of Pearl Harbor. 
Turns out he's the second oldest in my research. Anyways, whatever. He's 99 when I meet him and I think it's pretty cool. And it was just a delightful conversation. And I remember he turned the conversation back to our military members today and instead said they were the bravest ones. They're the ones who endure so much because they're under constant attack where we only had to deal with it for a couple of hours. And I remember being so struck by that and thinking, what? Why are you taking the attention off yourself? But that is Jim. And that was him to the core. When he left, he handed me his business card, which I thought, what? I suppose it's a calling card. That's pretty cool. He's 99. And he said, please email me. I'd love to continue this conversation. And I said, of course. So I got back to work. I was busy listening to his interview. And I thought, okay, I'm going to email him. And I said, Jim, what a delight to see you. And I sent him a note. He wrote me back like that. And he said, let's meet at Garden of the Gods Club, this exquisite club. And so we did. And so began our conversations about God and Jesus and the start of the most delightful conversations of my life. And 200 Tuesdays. I was going to say one of the quotes that you say in the book is when you spend every Tuesday morning with someone for five years, you learn a lot about each other. And the entire exchange as I was reading, which by the way, thank you so much for allowing me to read an early copy. I'm not kidding, Diane. Like I started reading and I could not stop. It was such a quick read for me, probably because it was really close to my heart. It was so much where I just kept turning the page because I really did feel like it was not only a true story, but a story that was very captivating. You're so vulnerable to share. Kind of was thinking about like how Jim's job was to deliver letters and like love letters from family and friends. He was able to write such a story and almost deliver parts of your life that you're now like literally like sharing sharing with others. And I feel like that is a crazy carryover into just like how he didn't stop with his job within the Navy. As you were writing this, did you feel that you were like, kind of like bearing your heart? I did. And Coley, that's so special that you read it ahead of time. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for saying you couldn't put it down. That is the ultimate compliment. (laughs) That makes me want to cry, which my husband, if he listens to this, will say, everything makes you want to cry. And all my girlfriends will say, die, everything makes you want to cry. And I reveal in the book (laughs) that my nickname growing up was teary. You know, it just, everything makes me want to cry, but that's so sweet. I knew one thing for sure. I knew I had to tell my whole story if I was going to have a memoir, which actually, made me laugh. 44 years old having a memoir who, no, more like 90 years old, you should have a memoir. Anyway, they called it my memoir. And I expect people to tell me the truth. I expect them to tell me their whole story. They don't all the time. Of course, my goodness, I catch people lying on camera all the time. But I know one thing about myself now. I have never been able to say something nice about myself. I've always held back and I am brave. I am so brave. Yeah. And I'm owning my story. And the only reason I know that is because of a quote that I heard the other day from Brene Brown. Oh, yes. Love her. Do you not want to be her friend? Can we just, the three of us have coffee? You probably have the connections to make that happen. But Braving the Wilderness Changed My Life. I absolutely love that book. She's amazing. Well, she says, owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing we'll ever do. I own my story in this book. I can't tell you that I love myself yet. I'm working on it. Wow. That is just such a hard thing for me because I reveal really dark parts of my soul and kind of how I got through that. And the darkest part of my soul, I never could even reveal to Jim because I was too scared. I couldn't say it out loud. That was hard for me. And I worried people would focus on that part the most in my book. I hope they don't. I hope that 
they listen to the lessons from Jim and appreciate my vulnerability for showing them I am just as messed up as you. (laughs) You know, I struggle. I live this life on camera where everything looks so perfect and so together. And yes, I have a wonderful life, but man, I've gone through some stuff and I share all of it in the book. When I read it, I read through the parts that you're talking about. I know the chapter that you're talking about. When I walked away from the book, I didn't reflect on the parts that you probably would have rather not spoke about. What I remember is how Jim looked like Jesus and how even in the conversations that you shared with him, how his language was so kind. And of course, we know Jim Downing is not a was not a perfect person. I mean, we all are human beings, but the fact that his life reflected Jesus, that's the part that I remembered. I mean, I'm not going to reveal um, the details of it because I really want our friends to go read it and sit and experience like the dialogue for themselves and have their own thoughts. When you had to share some of what you're walking through with Jim, how his immediate response was not of rejection is what I just, I it's like a thick layer on my heart that I cannot shake. Yes. And I think one of the things that was so amazing about him is when I was in deep grief in my life, potentially facing either the loss of my daughter yeah. or her being born with severe disabilities, I just wanted to be with Jim. And the reason I wanted to be with him was not that I knew he would give me, well, I knew he would pray for me and I really needed that. I needed to hear whatever those words were, but he sat with me for three hours one day as I just sobbed and he said nothing. And that was one of the most beautiful ways to show up with someone in grief. I love to know how to do this. What do you say in this? What's the right thing to do in this? Jim showed me that. And he showed me how Jesus shows up in every way. He was the closest thing to Jesus I've ever seen. Yeah. Because he lived it every single day. He was so intentional and so purposeful from the moment he woke up. I talk about that in the book on meditating on the right things to the second he went to sleep. He was still meditating on the right things, praying constantly. I mean, he wasn't sitting in a state of, you know, he wasn't like a monk (laughs) sitting. Are you kidding? I heard that he was like so active, like so social, even until his last days. (laughs) He had lunches with people every day up until he was 104. He was still emailing people. And I revealed this in my book too. He, he wanted me to write those final letters to people just like he did at Pearl Harbor, writing these final letters to families who lost their loved ones. He wanted me to write those final letters. And I was like, oh, this is the honor of my life to be able to communicate with these people a day or two before he died Yeah, and share what his thoughts were for them. Just honoring history. One of the things that I just cannot get over and something that you'll probably never see on like documentary on like the History Channel is like the words that his wife Marina said, right as Pearl Harbor was happening, you know, on the Oahu Island, she quotes, and as he's getting ready to go, literally, potentially die in the attack or just to go rescue people is that she says Deuteronomy 33, 27, the eternal God is your refuge. Like I want to live a life that if the world was falling down around me, that I would quote scripture. It happened. Like that was her immediate reaction. That is the prayer of my heart that I would turn to scripture before anything else. Diane, you're carrying your story, Jim's story. And then like the bigger story of Jesus, that he's our refuge. So like when friends read 200 Tuesday, I hope and pray that they know how loved they are by him. I can't even speak, Colby. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's amazing. You've done so much hard work 
And on top of a busy schedule, I mean, you're working like five days a week. I know that you hit the anniversary of Jim passing away because he passed away February 13th, just a few years ago. How do you approach that annually? It's not hard for me. And this is why I think it's harder for his right-hand man, Brett Clark. Brett spent every waking minute with him. You know, he was Mm -hmm. the one who organized his schedule because he actually needed it to be organized. For me, it's a delight in thinking about all the conversations we've had about heaven and what he's doing. So I would say, Jim, will you you know, look down on us? He's like, no, people in heaven, they're having so much fun. They're not worried about you guys down there because we know we'll all be together eternally. So this is just your experience on earth. Wow. So, so when we approach the anniversary of his death, I'm just reminded of all the goodness that he taught me, the compassion he taught me, the scripture he taught me. He taught me how to read the Bible. I had no idea how to do that. Yes. I'm reminded of the good. And so I guess that is what is so comforting to my heart. I miss him. Oh my gosh, Coley, if he could sit in this conversation, with us right now. If he was alive, I would have him here for sure because (laughs) you would love him. I would have loved to have met him. I go back and watch your Facebook live. Sometimes I've gone through and just to see him in his words, interacting like physically, like I love the videos of you with Claire on your lap and him just be, I will link to some of those so they can actually see the hero, the man with the legend that we're speaking of. Yeah. I was just wondering, like when you think about the book, cause he was such a selfless man from what I am gathering, obviously, do you think that he would be I'm happy that a book was kind of centered around his story. I do. I hope so. I think he would love that I'm continuing to share it. When I first started doing Facebook lives with Jim, I couldn't make it as I call in the book religion because as a journalist, you're really not, you're taught not to share your faith. But my bosses at my new station and my old station were always very open to letting me share some of that. So I thought, I'm just going to share lessons from Jim every week. And people were delighted by it. They loved it. They turned out en masse to listen and they would comment and they would say things to Jim and I would get beautiful messages about him. And I thought, I can't not share what I've learned from him because I'm not doing it justice. He's so good. He's so true. And he so understands what a totally fulfilled person is that if I keep that in my heart and I don't continue to share it, I'm not doing my job to honor him well. And so that's why I decided to write it. And I think I even mentioned to him one time, oh, Jim, it would be so cool to write a book together. But at that point, he was writing his fifth book or whatever. And he was just so busy with things. I I don't think he was interested in that. But I, I would hope that he is excited. I do believe this is a gift from heaven. There is no other explanation to me. Why would this happen? Why would I be allowed to do this? I'm a small town journalist, you know, with a cool story about this amazing man. Why do I get this? And my only explanation is it was from him. Then he would say, it's from Jesus. You are not just a small town journalist. You are carrying the news, which is such a gift and so needed and so take it for granted. So I do not agree (laughs) with those words. Thank you. I think it's so interesting in the fact that when I see authors share their first book, which this is your first book, that you are practicing kind of what Jim taught you is that like this cover is not just a cover of you. Like it's a cover of you with Jim. Like it is sharing your story, but you share it in a way that is like, it's his story and it's our story. My goodness, like that is so selfless. You could have easily with all the experience you have crafted a story that was based alone on what you've learned and walked through and you made it 
so much about another community. Have you thought about that as you're releasing it? No, I haven't. And thank you for saying that. (laughs) I haven't. It's so encouraging to hear from you and to hear you be so excited about reading the book. I mean, that is just the delight of my heart to hear someone say they loved it. You know, I did have a co-author, Trisha Heyer. If you have a book to write, she is the person to be with. She's so wonderful. You want to be her best friend as soon as you meet her. And she (laughs) helped me bring my words to life. I know that they helped craft it and my editors to make sure it showed Jim in every way it could, because he is why I wrote the book and shared part of my story. Is it like sometimes hard for you to wake up on a Tuesday and just kind of like, oh, wow, for five years, my life looked like this. And now I'm in a new, a new time. What's that like walking out on, on a Tuesday? I think I'm always in the busyness of my life and the busyness of my life includes a five-year-old yeah. little girl who takes all my attention in the morning. And I go to work at one thirty in the afternoon, but I do think about that so much. This sounds so selfish, but I didn't always love having a weekly meeting. Cause I thought, oh my gosh, that's three hours. But every time I would go to it, I was so refreshed by the end of it and so grounded again. I felt like myself by the end of it and calm and peaceful. Every Tuesday was so worth it to meet with him. I mean, there were sometimes we were sick. Yeah. You know, we didn't meet every single, but more than 200 Tuesdays. It was so amazing. And I do think about that because those were my mornings where I was refreshed and I was restored. And I don't have that anymore. I have to take that onto myself. And I've had people ask me, do you want to do a Bible study with me? Oh, come join my Bible study group. I'm not ready for that yet. I don't know that anyone can replace him and I don't expect them to, but I just haven't found the right space for that. So that's something I do on my own. And I miss that guidance. I miss my being able to ask all my questions all the time that I always felt he had an answer to. Yeah, He always did. The only thing he couldn't answer, but then he did, it just didn't make sense to me, was why do these so horrific things that I report on the news every night, a young teenager being murdered, a mom losing her spouse, a military wife losing their spouse to bombs, why did these happen? And he said to glorify God. And that did not make sense to me for so long. It makes sense now because we glorify God in the way that we respond, showing up like Jesus does every day. And that is the only explanation I can have when I read police reports that have horrific details in them about a baby's molestation or something that I cannot even begin to wrap my head around. We're glorifying God and how we're showing up for those families and how their friends are showing up for them around them in their time of grief and sorrow. Yeah. And they're wondering why, God, why would you do this to me? I wrestle with that question myself. I can't say that I have all the answers either. Like it's just a revolving door question that I just feel like in some ways allows me to grow deeper in relationship with the Lord. But I've had similar experiences where friends have just kind of helped me walk through it and like show me scripture that heals my heart. doesn't just speak to me, but speaks through me. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for that. But I was thinking about the three hours and like every Tuesday, the consistency of it. And the fact that like Jim did pour into you being one person. I know that he poured into many people, but you were someone so special in his life. We have a book now because of the many hours that he poured into you. And so when we look at 
doing for one, what we wish we could do for a thousand. Sure. He wished he could mentor more people, but he felt called to you. I wonder sometimes, and I never asked him if he thought of me as an opportunity because I had a platform that was so big. That's too selfish for me to even think that he would act that way. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think he was like, Ooh, I, I can reach her. I can reach her. I mean, I didn't, I, I tell in the book, I didn't even know where my Bible was. What? Yeah. I'm Catholic. We sit and we stand, we do the sign of the cross. We leave church. We don't dig into the, or maybe we do. And I just don't know. And yeah. all the Catholics out there listening right now, will you please forgive me for not being uh, <laughs> properly taught? <laughs> I went yes. to a Catholic high school, but I don't remember like digging into the Bible. Yeah. I was probably too interested in some boy to you know, pay attention to that <laughs> or whatever drama was going on in school. I don't know how to answer that, Coley. That's okay because they can read about it. They can read about how yeah. it played out and how you responded and the gentleness and the time that like he gave to one, probably what he wished he could do for thousands, but he did it because like, that's what the Lord asked him to. And it was like you said, the opportunity right before him. Yes. When I walk away from reading this, I think about that too, of like how I sometimes can be overwhelmed like you, where I'm like, I got to catch up. Like, what am I doing? And I love how he, in a way, was able to like slow down. Like you mentioned that, like it was like a, it for a few hours, like it was a refreshing time to just like slow down. I struggle with it still, Coley. I am not good at slowing down. My husband is always like, okay, what's on the schedule today? And he's so laid back and he's so calm. Hence why I picked him. <laughs> yes. He's a fireman. Like go chip. <laughs> he's got his good. Yeah. Go chip. He, thank you. He's just so calm. And I needed to marry someone like that. Cause if someone was at my speed, we would not work out. Jim showed me what that can look like, mm -hmm. what kind of comfort you can have in slowing down and taking time just for yourself or that quiet solitude. That's so important. I always say to my husband, you know what? I'm so stressed out. I just want to go stay in a hotel for a night. I love you. I love our daughter. I just need quiet, yes, yeah. you know? And, and so the quiet was what I got from studying each week and planning out my Bible study with Jim. It grounded me so much. Sure. And I still, I, I, I still struggle with it. I still struggle with how to balance it all. Mm. Is balance even possible? How do you do it, Coley? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I'm not on air. I don't have the schedule you do. So I mean, with my life, I don't know. It's just a lot of trust. I always tell my friends, I'm like, I feel like I just... And one of those people, like if God brings something up that I'm in, and then I just don't have a plan for the rest of it. So I just try to go, go wherever he's going. But there was something I was going to ask you about with like traveling. Have you ever had it on your heart to visit Hawaii, like Pearl Harbor? Have you been? It's interesting that you ask that every year. That weekend, I always had the Christmas parade to do in downtown Colorado Springs. So I knew I couldn't take off. And Jim went a couple years. I just was like, oh man, I should have pushed my boss more, but she would have said, no, Ty, we need you at the parade. You're emceeing the parade with yeah. Don and it's televised. You can't do that. Yeah. I have been to Pearl Harbor, but I was a little girl. I do remember a lot of it, okay. but I would see it totally different now if I were to go. Anytime there's a chance to see Pearl Harbor survivors, because there's so few left, I would love to be there on that day with them and just to listen to their stories. I love listening to stories. <laughs> it's what I have done for my career. To listen to them would be so special and to see it differently. It's sacred ground. I wrote something once about accidents being sacred ground to me. When I see them, I don't see it as just an accident. I'm like, that's where someone lost, lost their life and thousands lost their life there that day. I hope that you're able to revisit that place. Not only are you a totally different person because you 
also are carrying the history of it now, literally, like you're an entirely different person, mind, body, soul. You are not the same Diane that would have visited as a girl, like you're completely healed. I mean, glory to God, that's incredible. I really hope you get the chance to do that with your family. Congratulations. A first book, that is a ton of hard work. I'm just so excited for you. Thank you. A first book. I love that you say it a first, like there's more to come, Coley. Yes, there is. You write extremely well. <laughs> well, I you know, I will always say I had a co-author who helped me get those ideas down pat. The story just told itself. It was so easy. I don't know even what I would write. I, sometimes I dream about that. What would my next book be? But I'm going to be really satisfied with just one for a long time. Yeah. It's really, really special. It's so amazing that I have this. I cannot believe it. Every day I wake up and think, oh my gosh, there's a book out there and there's millions of books, but I hope this one touches people's hearts. And I hope it shows them what is possible when you know Jesus and when you have a relationship with him and that even in your messiness, and I promise you my messiness is just as bad, that there is hope and there is peace. Well, I know that you've made Jim proud. And I've really, on behalf of my little perspective of being in the military circles, like I feel like you've really done our community proud. Not to step on toes, but I feel like we live in a world sometimes where our military can be like taken for granted. And so I really do feel like every time that someone publicly stands up for us, that really does mean a lot to know that we are not forgotten and the impact is real. And so I just want to say thank you for that. And thank you so much for making time for hanging out with me. Is there anything that you're doing to celebrate the book coming out? Do you have any plans? Oh, this is so cool. The launch party is in the castle where my daughter was baptized that Jim took care of. What? A castle? I know. I told my best friend, I was like, Jen, I just want to wear a crown and a ball gown <laughs> because I love sparkles. You could absolutely make that happen. Well, one of my other closest friends is a former Miss Colorado. So I could ask her to borrow her crown because I always wanted one, but that's so ridiculous. Just make sure you put insurance on it. I know that you have to put insurance on your clothes. That to me, it was like, oh, I see you, bougie Diane. <laughs> like That was so funny to hear. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yes. I know I thought, oh my gosh, what if they burn in a fire and then a fire happened, <laughs> but it didn't burn my clothes. It burned and killed people. So that my, what I had to go through was nothing compared to what they went through. Military families are a wonder to me. They are the strongest, bravest people that I know. And I am in awe of the sacrifices that I, they make every day. I adore being part of the USO, yeah. the times I have been with them on many, many events. I do not understand how you do it. I always said I could never be a military spouse or a police spouse. And then I became one. My husband did serve in the military. Uh, and then I, then he was a police officer and it was too much for me. And he eventually quit. But I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of your bravery and don't understand how you make it all work. I have such a deep love and respect for our military. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Again, it is such a win when someone comes alongside and is a voice for us. And so I appreciate it. I think you should break out the ball gown. I think you should do so. You go crazy. <laughs> Coley, I'll send you pictures. <laughs>
please do. And also please come back for book number two, three, four, or just really whenever you want to drop by. I know that you are on KOAA News 5 in Colorado Springs. So I will put that station for our friends in that area who listen so they can just like have more of you in their lives and connect with you. And you're seriously welcome here anytime. It has been so fun chatting with you. Thank you, Coley. That's so sweet. I want this story to be carried and you do such a good job of honoring Jim and honoring Jesus. And so I'm so thankful for you, Diane. I'm so thankful for you, Coley, for saying that. That is amazing. I'm casting my ballot for Diane to break out the crown and ball gown and celebrating the release of 200 Tuesdays. If you have not already placed a pre-order for your own copy of this meaningful book, you can do this by going to Tyndale Publishing, Nav Press, and of course, Amazon. While you're online, I would be so grateful if you took a second to say thank you to Diane for making time to be on the show. All of the links and methods to connect with her will be in the show notes for this episode. Simply click the address in the show description and it will take you directly to my website for the official show notes page. And while you're there, if you would love to say hey to me as well, I would love to hear from you. Whether I can encourage you, pray with you, connecting with others and making new friends is my favorite thing to do. And I would love to get to know you. If not through my website, coleybrowning.com, you can also find me on social media. My handle is at coleybrowning. Before I wrap up today's episode, I want to send another thank you to a wonderful friend of ours in Charlotte, North Carolina, Yamari. She is our featured artist for this season, sharing her music, Where the Light Dances, as our theme song for this season. To connect with Yamari, you can find her on social media at Yamari Official, and you can stream all of her music on Apple Music as well as Spotify. Thank you so much for taking a moment out of your week to come hang out with us on the podcast. Every single episode is a true joy for me to share, and I pray that it encourages encourages you to your core and inspires you. And it is all for Jesus because we are nothing without him. Go out and be bold, be brave, be you, and remember that he is still with you.